All right, First Peter chapter four, chapter four, verse one. Message translation. Uh, Doctor Onofre, thank you so much. You got my, you got me cranked up, and uh, whatever happens with this message this morning is all your fault or your credit. <laughs> we are still talking on brokenness, the power and the blessing of brokenness. And again, I just want to encourage you. On Wednesday nights is where we get the handles for these messages. Last Wednesday, I, I cannot remember since when I've had such a, I didn't want the meeting to end. Uh, is that correct about today? God took us to a place that I did not know was even possible. It's absolutely incredible. Praise and worship was good. Discussion was right, right on. And the prayer just was the dessert. The icing on the cake. Amen. Amen. So I just want to encourage you guys. We're having life groups on Wednesday nights. It's a time when we unpack what we talk about on Sunday morning and give us handles so we know how to apply what God is saying to us. All right, I'm looking at the clock. Wait, a minute, are you guys cheating? How did the clock get down to 27 minutes? Pierre, I, I don't know what clock you are. You must be in a, I mean, really. First Peter, chapter four. Now, the first thing Dr. Onofrek said to us yesterday that I think was a blessing that I want to repeat is that brokenness, it's God's way of winning us from the self-life. Winning, meaning W-E-A-N-I-N-G. Brokenness, it's God's way of winning us from the self-life that dooms many of us. Because in the self-life, we will never be able to accomplish God's purpose. Because God does not use self. Did you get that? Brokenness is God's way of winning us from the self-life in the same way as Bissola in a few months will be winning Daniel from breastfeeding. Because unless the child is weaned from breastfeeding, the child will never eat real food. There is no mother that will want to keep their baby on breastfeeding for the rest of their lives. And if a natural mother understands, has enough sense to know that a child will never grow and develop by just sucking on the breast for their lifetime, don't you think God is more wiser than that? There are some young people in the house that will have said some things now about sucking the breast. But I just let your mind and your imagination know what I'm talking about. Doctrine has been doing that, and that's why we see the manifestation. It, it's, not, it's not wind from breast yet. But for the rest of us, from the best of Mr. Lord, what are you laughing about? Give me a high five. <laughs> I think maybe I need to come there for a minute. What's wrong with you guys? No, I should move on. Okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> I, I listen to counsel. I listen to counsel. But look at what first Peter says. Look at what Peter says. Selwyn, why are you laughing so hard? I can, I can hear Selwyn's laughter down the street. 
First Peter 4, in the message translation, by the way, this is Shina DMI's uh, customized translation. Verse 1 says, since Jesus went through everything you are going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a winning. You see that? From that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. That's the problem. This is the reason for brokenness. You and I are programmed to getting our own way. In relationships, in business dealings, on the job, in sports, in recreation, anything we do, we are naturally inclined to want to get our own way. But God says, wait a minute, no. If you keep on getting your way, I will never get my way. So brokenness is a course redirection. God brings it into our life to refocus or to redirect our path. Let me keep on reading. He said, think of your sufferings as a winning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your way. Why? Then, then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Do you see the reason what God wants to, uh, to bring brokenness into our life? So you and I can become free to pursue what God wants and not just what you want. Ah, I don't have an audience this morning. You guys are not shouting at all because some of us are just bent on my way or the highway. But I'm going to tell you, God has wisdom. He knows. He knows that your way will never get you to where you want to be. That's right. Amen? Amen? So the problem, which I mentioned last week, is that, number one, we don't understand God's goal. We don't. Being saved is not a destination. That's a challenge. We need to understand that. Being saved is not a destination but an entry to the kingdom of God and to the kingdom assignment which can never be accomplished in the flesh. Being born again is not the end. It is the means to an end. It is an essential part of the kingdom of God. But Jesus said that except a man be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 3. And then in John chapter 3 verse 5, he said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now watch this. Pope, if I came to your house and you opened the door and I just entered, have I seen your house? All I've done is entered. There's plenty of house to see, but by just getting in the door, I cannot live and say I've seen Pastor Charles' house. I've been to the house, but I've not seen the house. Being born again gets you through the door. There's a whole house, a whole mansion, 
a whole kingdom that is available for exploration. But if all you do is come to the door and pack, you cannot say you saw the castle. You cannot say you've been to the mansion. You cannot say you've been to the house. You go through Atlanta airport on your way to Denver or to Chattanooga or wherever you're going. And you go through the airport from concourse A to B and then you say, well, I've been to Atlanta. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you came through Atlanta, but you've not been to Atlanta. Because you've not seen the city. So we must understand, number one, that being born again is not a destination. It's an entry point. Now, please go with me to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 10. In the Amplified Translation. We know that brokenness is God's way of winning us from self-life. The problem is, number one, we don't understand that God has a goal. And that being saved is not a destination, but an entry point. Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the Amplified Translation. Thank you very much. Look at what it says. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. Now, just by hearing the word workmanship, you realize a workman does not finish his craft in one second. Immediately you see that word workmanship. What should occur to you and I is process. Process. You've never seen an artist that paints a picture that the whole world is clamoring for in two seconds. It takes time. It's painstakingly painted. A craftsman that's making a, a work of art takes the time to do the sculpturing and the decoration and all the things. It takes a moment. So the Bible is telling you, you and I, we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Why? That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he Prearranged and made ready for us to live. That's his goal. That's his goal. He has a prearranged life for you. He has a prearranged good work for you. He has it. The challenge is I am not choosing his work, I want to choose mine. This is where the contradiction comes in, this is where the conflict comes in. I am ignorant of the work he has prepared for me. So, I take on my own work. And because as a master planner, and because he loves me, he's constantly nudging me to say, bank, bank, no, no, you're going the wrong way. This is the way, this is the way. And when he nudges me, he brings contradiction to my life. He brings pain sometimes. He brings uh, ridicule. He brings persecution. He brings misunderstanding. Why, God? I want to go this way. I prefer this. He said, no, 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 I know the end. This is not the end I plan for you. An airline pilot, when he takes off and gets to his cruising altitude, you know what he does? 
He puts the airplane in what they call autopilot. Autopilot is just like your cruise control on your car. And at 35,000 feet, the airplane is being programmed to go to its destination, whether it's London, England, Paris, or Kabul, Afghanistan, wherever it places. It's going to keep on flying. And as long as there is no problem, the pilot can go to sleep. And the plane will land itself. But if during the journey there is inclement weather, turbulence, or perhaps an equipment on board is malfunctioning, what happens? The systems aboard begins to warn him too low, take, fly up, too low, fly up, or whatever the flashes. The systems on board begin to say, no, 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 no. Hey, pilot, wake up, wake up, wake up. You need to make a cost correction. You need to adjust something. Check this, check that. Why? Because that plane is malfunctioning and it's not heading in the direction for which it was programmed. Yes, sir. So what I'm saying to you is, the day you got born again, God put into play your destination. Yes. He put into play where he's sending you, yes. what he wants you to do. And as long as you are following that course, there is no point for brokenness. But as human beings, our default is selfishness, self-centeredness, stinginess, anger, all of those things. That's what, we are, that's what we inherited from Adam. And even though we've been born again, recreated in Christ Jesus, we must learn the new ways of the spirit. And until we learn it, there's constantly God making course adjustments. Why? Because he wants you to land at your destination safely and soundly in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So problem number one is that we don't know God's goal. And that goal is he has planned something for us before we got here and unfortunately you and I had no input on that plan. No input. He created you expressly to do something. And he didn't ask your permission. Number two, on the problem, is the fact that we're not familiar with the process. And again, please go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Dr. Nofia brought this scripture yesterday. I said, oh, me, 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 me. Matthew chapter 16, message translation from verse 21. Verse 21. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Verse 21, not verse 1. Verse 21. Thank you. So number one, we don't know God's goal. But God defined that for us in Ephesians 2, verse 10. Number two, we are just not familiar with the process. Now look at what Jesus says to Peter. In Matthew 16, verse 21, reading from the message translation. Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders, be killed, and then on the third day be raised up alive. Go on. Next verse. Peter took him in hand, protesting, impossible, master. That can never be. Verse 23. 
Look at this. This is the key. This is what I want you to see. But Jesus didn't swerve. In other words, he was not persuaded by Peter's argument. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. Look at the next sentence. You have no idea how God works. That sentence is for all of us in this room. We have no idea. We think we just pray a wonderful, powerful prayer and God is obliged because we prayed to do certain things. Certain things that may contradict his will, his plan, his good work that he foreordained before you were born. It doesn't work like that. What you and I need to do is first find out what is God's work. Find out what his will is and then you begin to pray according to it because that's the only time your prayer matches Jesus' prayer. Romans chapter 8 says, God, God is praying. The Holy Spirit is praying for me and you. According to the will of God. So if God is praying for me, and I'm praying against what God is saying, which prayer is going to prevail? 90% of our prayers are useless prayers. Tell anybody I said it. I'm saying it with the authority of the Holy Spirit. Because most of the time, we do not find out what's on God's heart. We're just praying. We're just praying. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to find out what's on his heart. Because God does not exist to do my will. We exist for his pleasure. For his pleasure were we created. That's what the Bible says. No matter how powerful the prayer sounds, it is not the sound of the power of the prayer that moves God. What moves God is his will, his testament, his covenant. Because God is obligated to do his covenant, not my will. That's why you and I must be students of the Bible. The Bible says, you and I should study to show ourselves approved unto God. Why? Because a workman needs not be ashamed. Why should I be ashamed? I'm praying something that's congratulated what God wants for me. Now, understand what I'm saying with that. There are prayers that Pastor, Paul, uh, Pastor uh, Charles may pray that is accurate for him. But I cannot take that prayer and cut and paste it to my own life and start praying it. That's the problem. So Pastor Charles is praying it because that's God's will for him. I hear it. It sounds good. Somebody taught me on that and I'll take it. I begin to pray the same prayer for myself. Are we the same? No. That's why Jesus said, my sheep what? Hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. If I'm hearing what he's praying, I'm praying for me, I'll just follow the stranger. Listen, after these teachings are over, the next place we are going is the study of the Holy Spirit. Because you need to know him. And until you know him, everything we are saying will not make sense. You only pray what God is praying for you. This is not Google. God is not Google. You don't cut and paste. No. You hear God, you pray back to him. 
You hear God, you pray back to him. You hear God, you pray. He said, for as many as led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So every man and woman in the body of Christ that's teaching and praying, the first thing you teach us is how to hear God. That's, the, that's what they should teach us. Because if I'm not hearing God, I'm just praying a generic prayer. It sounds good. It may work with one or two, but it may not work for everybody else. Does that make sense? Number three. <laughs> this clock. All right, oh. Number three problem is that we don't believe in his love to trust the process. And for all the clock watchers, you guys, you did not give me the service in time. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just let's put that on the record. Thanks to Pastor IBK. Praise God. I love my, where is he? Oh, he's out there. Oh, okay. My Koza pastor. Praise God. Number three, we don't believe in his love to trust the process. We just don't believe it. Something happens, it's tough, it's hard, it's painful, immediately we check out. Give me Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10. Quickly please. NKJV. Isaiah 50 10 and I've got to fly now. I've got to fly. Isaiah 50 10. Who among you fears the Lord? He didn't say who's afraid. He said, who fears the Lord? Which means who respects God? Who honors God? Okay? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? He's talking about broken experience. When everything seems gloomy, dark, you don't seem to have direction, you don't know where you're going, things are not working, you are in darkness. Not darkness as not being born again, but darkness in the present condition because things are just not working. You need direction. You need a breakthrough. You need something to happen. So who walks in darkness and has no light? What's the advice? Let him or her trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. When things are not working, it's not the time to run. Absolutely. Hey, David, hallelujah. David said, the Lord my God is my refuge. Rather than run away from him, I'm running to him. Why? I'm assured of his love. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Things are dark. Death is encompassing around me, but I know the one who holds death captive. <laughs> Hallelujah! I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I am assured. I know your love. I know that your love will keep me. Your love will help me. Your love will straighten me out. Your love will keep me to survive. Very quickly. Let me just give a New Testament example. There's no way I can do this in five minutes. Go to, with me to Luke 22. Luke 22, 31, 32. Very quickly. Peter. 
We all know him, the fisherman. Jesus was about to go to the cross. He says to Peter, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. That he, Satan, may sift you as wheat. Next verse. But I have prayed for you that your, fail, your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, what, what, did you see the sentence there? First, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now, if Jesus prays for you, are you do you have an assurance? Absolutely. He said, when you have returned to me, which means it's a foregone conclusion. You will fall, but you will return. If a righteous man falls down seven times, he shall arise again. Ah, oh, gotcha, I, I don't, it doesn't matter how many times you go down. Hallelujah. As long as I'm not falling backwards, I'm not failing backwards, I'm ready any day to fail forward. Because when I fail forward, I understand I've learned something from that experience that I can take with me to the future. Yes, sir. The issue is not if you're going to fail. The issue is when. Everyone fails. If you have not failed, I don't want you in my company. Ah. Time will not permit me to tell you about CEO interviews. Where the, the, the question on the interview is not how much you know, but Mr. CEO candidate, how many times have you failed? Can you give us an experience of your failure? And you go there, you want to be Mr. Perfect. Oh, I've never failed before. You just lost the interview. Because nobody wants to hire a man who has not been through something. Because by failing forward, you have learned something, you've gained an experience, you are a better person than we were before. So Jesus prepared verse 32 of that scripture. Luke 22 verse 32. Look at verse 33. Peter answered and said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Was Peter sincere? Yes. What was Peter depending on? His own strength. He was sincere about his intention but he could only live to do what he's saying by his own strength. And God knew that the work he had created for Peter to do can never be accomplished by his own strength. Yes. Peter, I cannot convince you, no matter how long this debate goes for, I will never be able to convince you. I can only show you. So verse 34. Then he said, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny three times that you know me. Peter must have said, Jesus, are you kidding me? Nothing will make me ever deny you. It's not possible. I'm willing to die with you. And he meant it. But God knew every human limitation. And he needed to show Peter his human limitation. That by man's strength, no one can prevail. Fast forward 
Same chapter, verse 55 through 61. Very quickly. Verse 55 through 61. Now, they had killed the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. Next verse. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Number one. Next verse. And after a little while, another saw and said, You are also of them. But Peter said, Man, I'm not. Next verse. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, say, surely this fellow also was with him for he's a Galilean. Next verse. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately. Because that was the third time. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Peter's breaking point. Yes. God had to bring him to the end of himself. Doing something he thought he would never do. And the Bible said, next verse, verse 62, Verse 62, so Peter went out and wept bitterly, which means in agonizing of soul, man, I blew it. It's all over. How could this have happened? On and on and on and on and on. But I just want you to know like that it's in the hour of your brokenness that God brings a new day into your life. Because Jesus could not have timed it more perfectly. He could not have set a better stage. He said to him, by the time the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. For Peter, it was a bitter, sorrowful incident that he had betrayed, denied, and failed Jesus. But in that same circumstance, Jesus was setting him up for the beginning of a new day. Because for those of you who has an experience living in the villages, the rooster crows when? At the dawning of a new day. So when Peter heard, Kukuruku! When he heard the sound, Kukuruku! For Peter, in that moment, it was a sound of its failure. A remembrance of what Jesus said will happen for him. But he forgot something. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Hallelujah. I have prayed for you. You may have fallen down, Peter. You may have been stopped for a moment. But the roasting, the crowing of a rooster is also the beginning of a new day. Even in your failure, Peter, your new day is starting. Because from this moment forward, you will be in the anchor, in the vanguard, in the front line of the kingdom of God. You may have failed once, but you are right again. 
your hair may have been shaving something, but your hair will grow again. It does not matter what the enemy brings at you. It does not matter what they do to you because Jesus lives forever to make intercession for us according to the will of God. You will survive. You will make it. You will go higher. You will make progress. You will not go under, but you will go over. In the name of Jesus, he brought you out to bring you in. Is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, and the author and the finisher of your faith. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Let me just close with this. There's much more to say. Let me cut it short in righteousness. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? Judas took 30 pieces of silver. When he realized what he had done, he became remorseful, the Bible says. Went back to the priest, threw the money on the floor, just to show you how the devil works. The priest dissociated himself from him. They said to him, what do you have to do with you? For every man and woman here who still pursues satanic agenda, sinful lifestyle, disobedient lifestyle, when the chips are down, Satan disowns you. What do we have to do with you? They said to him. And the man left them and went and hung himself. Judas and Peter did the same things. One perished, one was saved. What's the difference? I need to share that with you this morning as we pray. You see, in 1829, George Wilson and his friend, Mr. Porter, robbed a U.S. mail and put the life of a mail carrier in jeopardy. Back in those days, the law was very swift. They were both sentenced in May of 1830 to die. They were sentenced to death, both of them. And the death penalty was to be carried out July the 2nd, 1830. True story. True story. The second person, Mr. Porter, was summarily executed on time on schedule. George Wilson, however, had very influencing friends who petitioned President Andrew Jackson for clemency. And to everybody's dismay and surprise, the president granted George Wilson reprieve and pardon. True story.
But Mr. Wilson refused to accept the pardon. And so they didn't know what to do. And so the case went to the U.S. Supreme Court. The president has issued a pardon, but this man refuses to accept. What do we do? Let me read to you the reading, or rather, the statement from the court, the ruling from the court. The court ruled, hear me, please hear me this afternoon, that a pardon is not a pardon unless it is accepted. The court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of a pardon unless the prisoner claims the benefit of it. It is a grant to him. It is his property and he may accept it or not as he pleases. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote the decision on that case. And this is what he says. This is what blew me away. Listen to what the justice said. A pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws but delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may be rejected by the person to whom it is rent, it is tendered, and we have no power in a court to force it on him. Now, and that's the end of the quote. Most people, rightly so, thought Wilson had to, had to be a fool to choose to die. He had clemency, he had pardon, and he refused it, and he was summarily executed. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like Wilson, all of us have sinned. And all of us in this room and under the sound of my voice have received a sentence of death. Ezekiel 14, I'm rather, Ezekiel 18 forces, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's not a negotiation. Romans 3, 23, the wages of sin is what? Death. Romans 6, 23, verse A, the A part, talks about how the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life. Like Wilson, all of us have been pardoned. All of us. The pardon was granted as an act of grace. We have to make a choice whether we're going to receive it or not. We have a choice. Peter tells us, and it's interesting, Peter wrote this because from experience he knows. He said, God is not slack concerning his promises. He knew that. But that God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So how do we exercise our acceptance? By simply accepting what God has for us. The good news, I want to make a statement and I hope you listen loud and clear. The good news of the gospel is not that man is lost. 
let me just let that fly because I know theologians and religious folks are just wondering what, 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 what is he saying? That's, what, what, what is good about that? That man is lost. You come to me and tell me man is lost. Is that good news? I may slap you if the Holy Spirit don't help me. That is not good news. The glorious news is the incredible announcement that every man is accepted by God through Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the good news. That we are all accepted. And because we are accepted, we must understand that we can easily, freely give ourselves to him. Listen, there's much to this message that I had to just cut through because we're trying to get to the next part of the service. This is the point. Peter was self-willed, strong-headed, self-confident, and Jesus had to bring him to a place of understanding that all of that don't count in the kingdom of God. Put your self-confidence in your back pocket. You won't need it. You need his confidence. Put your self-will away. It doesn't count. It's his will that counts. And so for some of us this morning, we are in hard places, going through hard situations because we are self-confident, self-willed, strong-willed, and we are not paying attention to God. And he needs to break us. He's not breaking us to destroy us. He's breaking us to use us. Oh, hallelujah. He's breaking you and I so that we can become pliable in his hand so we can be used by him. That's what Peter went through. And as a result of that experience, he became the key, key figure in the New Testament that launched the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Just 53 days prior, he was a nobody. 53 days prior, he was in darkness, broken, sorrowful, grieved, thought it was over. Just to think that 53 days later, that will stand on its stage and proclaim the gospel that will bring in one message 3,000 souls to the kingdom of God. What are you wrestling with God for? What are you struggling for and with this morning that you are not letting go? Because if you don't let it go, you cannot get the next thing. You've got to let it go. Because 53 days from now, you'll be singing a new song. For some of us, less than 53 days. Peter did not get the whole message. Because, oh my God. Judas went to kill himself. But Peter still lived with the anticipation that Jesus would rise from the dead. Because when you read John chapter 20, he was still with the 11. Which means, Zabisala, he did not leave church. When the news of the restoration came, they found him in church. He knew he still belonged. Absolutely. He had failed, but I still belong. Absolutely. I may have disappointed you, Papa, mm. but I know you love me. Amen. And your love will keep me. Amen. Your love will steady me. Yes. Your love will restore me. Amen. He waited for his restoration. And Jesus sent a message. Go tell my disciples and Peter 
just in case he's having a pity party, let him know he's still on my heart. I never left him. I did not forget him. Things may be dark, but light is coming. Weeping may endure for a moment, but joy is coming in the morning time. Oh, hallelujah. My friend, God wants us broken so he can add super to our natural. Because in John chapter 20, after Jesus ascended, the very next thing Peter did, he went back fishing. He fell to his natural default. His self-confidence. The thing is he needed to do in the natural. He went back fishing. And the Bible said, they caught nothing. Your flesh will accomplish zero. Zero! You cannot offer to God your flesh. It stinks. He went by fishing and experienced fisherman and got nothing. Until Jesus stepped two verses later. Children, have you any meat? Of course he knew they didn't have any meat. Oh, we have nothing. I know you won't have anything because you are doing it in your flesh. Cast your net to the other side. The super, God involved in the natural. And when he obeyed God, did you hear what I said? They responded to a direct word from God. That's why I'm saying you have to hear God. In everything we are saying, I'm telling you, if you don't hear God, you are just what? Wasting your time. You could have gone to a seminar on how to catch more fish. A seminar on how to prepare your net. All of those things are nonsense. Nonsense! If you are not hearing God. But when Jesus spoke, cast your net to the other side, they heard it. And responded to what they heard. Not what Bank Akimala preached. Not what Joseph Prince is saying. Not what Pastor Dollar is saying. All those men are great men. But what they say, they cannot keep. Only God's word will not fail. Cast your net to the other side. I heard it. I've been toiling all night. I caught nothing but I thy word. Because why? You hasten over your word to perform it and your word will not return unto you void. Therefore, because you said it, I will do it. And the Bible said, they caught so much fish, they were not able to even pull it in. That's the difference. That's what awaits a broken life. God's super adding to your natural to, to make you absolutely, incredibly Effective in first Peter 5 verse 10, Peter said, You'll be established, you'll be strengthened, you'll be perfected, and then you'll be settled. Can you imagine that? Oh, you didn't hear me. Those of you from Africa, you know what you do when you settle people. You want to get things done, you settle them. God, those guys must they must have read the scripture. God said. I will perfect you. I will strengthen you. I will establish you. And I will set to you. Read it. First Peter 5 10. That's God's promise to you. But only when you've gone through the process of breaking. Father, we thank you for your word. We bless you for the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know where we are in our walks, in our individuality. You know the struggles we have. You are not taken aback by those struggles. You are keeping aware. You are praying for us. 
And therefore, with the confidence that you can never fail, you will not fail. And therefore, we will not fail. Thank you that every fear has been broken, changed, removed. We thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear because your love has drawn fear in our lives. We bless you now. We praise your name, Father. Thank you for every man and woman that we will celebrate out of our brokenness, your goodness, in Jesus' name.